Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. Good evening, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Mac and Reed Show right here on the Barroom Network. If you've missed any of our past shows, they are on YouTube, on Spotify, on iTunes, wherever you get your entertainment as far as podcasts and shows. Our Barroom Network programming goes. You can catch it all there. Like, subscribe, tell a friend or two. We're live on YouTube right now. I'm at the Real Evan Mac on Twitter. Ross is at Ross Reed. How you doing, my California friend, Mr. Reed? Back from Cali. Um, Megan the Stallion's on my TV right now, throwing out the first pitch for the Astros and White Sox game. And uh, yes, Goodness. God bless. God it's your dream come true on opening day. Look at that. She looks fantastic. She's got the the hot, the body yadi yadi workout on, on the Nike app. I haven't done it yet. I, I think I, I think I'll go for it. Summer's yeah. around the corner. <laughs> Summer's around the corner. She is she is definitely summer ready. And she just threw a bit outside, but that's okay. I was going to ask, how was the pitch? Yeah. It wasn't great. <laughs> still very in shape. Still, still yeah, looking great. Good yeah. for making this down. It is opening day. We'll talk about that a bit. A lot to discuss on the show today. We will be talking about the rise and fall of some of these draft prospects as the draft is, you know, less than a month away for Chicago Bears and the other 31 NFL teams. It's exciting times, and we'll narrow down the top selections for Ross uh, for that number nine pick for the Chicago Bears and talk a little bit more about their free agency expectations uh, with one month again away from the draft. Less than that, Lamar Jackson back in the headlines asking for trades, rumors of him going to another team. We'll dissect that at length uh, with the MLB being back. The Cubs and White Sox, Cubs played earlier. White Sox, as Ross was talking about, they're playing right now. Talk about expectations for them and the rest of the league with these new rules. It's April Fool's Day, Saturday, so we got to talk about that as well. We'll sprinkle in some Final Four talks, as this has been the wildest the tournament that I can remember. Um, and we've had some wild ones in the past. It's it's quite the Final Four that 0.02% of people predicted something like that. And talk about the women's, too. Give the women some love, because it's a very exciting uh, group of teams there with the Final Four and NBA Snowfall's ending, a lot to get to. And Ross, you had a great California trip. You recharged your batteries and you went to seemingly every fucking theme park on the West Coast. How you feeling? Uh, I feel good. Yes, my batteries are, are recharged. My my bank account is not. Um, oh, Disneyland, gas in California, the uh, food scene, Universal Studios, having a six-year-old, having a wife will definitely... Uh, uh, hurt you in, out in California. I did a little dabbling on Rodeo Drive. I'm guilty as well. I, oh I, shit! Well, there you go. I, yeah, I stopped by the. I had to stop by the Kith store in Beverly Hills and and, and oh, do some word. damage. So I am I am equally uh, 
the the culprit as well. But yeah, it was it was a blast. It was a good time, and uh, good to be back. It's good to be back in Chicago. We're getting good in some spring. It's it's staying light outside, you know, longer. So you know, warmer days are ahead. We're four weeks away from the NFL draft. We got opening day today, Final Four this weekend. It's a good time. NBA playoffs starting. It's a good time to be a sports fan right now. Ooh wee. Absolutely. The Kith Collection. You get something that, uh, who just modeled it? Brian Cranston and Jerry Seinfeld. You fit right in that mold, Ross. <laughs> I, I have, I am, I have, uh, graduated to the, uh, to the, to the upscale dad, dad. You swag the life. fuck out those ads, though. You better they believe are. it. They are. Yeah. They are. And, and Kith Ross is, uh, Kith don't, don't let's. Don't let this broadcast, you know, be be a judgment on Ross. Follow his Twitter, and you'll see those fits for real. That's right. <laughs> we we dress like we're at home in, on this show, which that's is the, for comfort and, that's uh, and uh, easy. yeah, that's it. So to begin, we'll talk about the Chicago Bears, and feel free to chime in in the comments. All the bar flies out there, and we will get to those as we're talking about the uh, subjects that I talked about at at, at length during this show and. To lead off, the Chicago Bears are less than a month away from the draft. And, you know, Ross, uh, I think you recently came out with uh, a good top three for you and some movers and shakers. And every mock draft is just a a tiny bit different. You know, the names that look like they'll be floated out there at number nine are certainly Lucas Van Ness, who's who had a great combine, who's a really explosive edge rusher. and just a, a freak athlete who could really fit in for the bears and provide some depth at the position. But then you look at the need for tackle and it certainly feels like the bears have not addressed that fully. And you look at the talent out there and you look at Northwestern's own Peter Skaronsky and, and he's uh, as polished a player as there is out there to help pave rushing lanes and protect uh, Justin Fields at this point. And then there's Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State, who might be the best tackle in this draft. He's huge. Um, just to get all the, the mix of everything you want with size, strength, athleticism. He's uh, he's a stud for sure. And then you look at the SEC, of course, Roderick Jones, um, who's a sophomore who jumped for the NFL. You figure like a lot of those Georgia uh, boys did for sure. He's very physical. Again, all the characteristics, had a good combine, good the pro workout and everything. So it's getting to that time where I'm sure the the bears obviously have their big board of guys and, and who knows about a, a trade that could shake up the, the whole order of things too. Uh, it looks pretty doubtful that obviously Will Anderson would, would drop out of the top five um, and fall to number nine, maybe Jalen Carter, but as we've talked at length, uh, about that he may have dropped out of off of the Bears' big board just because of those char- uh, character issues and, and what have you and the, the bad pro day that he had. Uh, but let's let's hear what Ross has to say about your your top three right now and, and why do you think the Bears should pick one of the one or three of these guys? Yeah, I, I came out with uh, I figured starting last week I would you know as we lead up to the draft I would do a top three power rankings of of where I thought the Bears would go with that ninth overall pick and last week I had. Um, I, I had Paris, the, the, the uh, offensive tackle from Ohio State, number one in my power ranking. I had Lucas Van Ness, number two, uh, last week, the the edge rusher from Purdue. And I put Roderick Jones, number three, last week, the uh, offensive tackle from Georgia. And those are my top three last week in that order. And this week, I actually have flip-flopped number two and number three. I, I tweeted it out today. But I put Broderick Jones, number two, today, and, and Lucas Van Ness, number, number three, today. 
And it, it really comes off of, um, you know, two big things. I think, number one, you hit it on the head. The Bears have not adequately addressed uh, offensive tackle in free agency. And I think they're doing that on purpose. I think they want to address that early on in this draft. I think there is a, um, whether you talk about, uh, you know, Paris, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, whether you think Skaronsky is a tackle or a guard. I mean, you know, those three are, are your, your good guys. And those three are really high level players. It's a little bit of a drop off if you want to wait until the second round. I just get the feeling right now that that Ryan Poles does not want to do that. Remember, this guy is an offensive tackle by trade. You know that's kind of how he came up through football. He also came from a, a, an organization in Kansas City that saw um, the good and the bad of not being able to protect your quarterback. The good is they have been able to win two Super Bowl rings uh, by keeping Pat Mahomes upright. But the one Super Bowl that they struggled on the offensive line, they got their ass kicked by Tampa Bay. And, um, and and I think Ryan Poles knows how, how valuable that spot is. So for now, Paris Johnson is still number one for me because I think he's the most polished prospect that offensive tackle in this draft. I think he's the most complete, ready-to-play tomorrow player, whether you want to start him on the right side or the left side. I think that whether, you know, whichever one of these guys, the Bears draft, I think brought, uh, I think Braxton Jones will probably move to the right side and be your right tackle of the future. But... Is a huge butt with four weeks left. Um, Broderick is, is is on the way. He he's 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 rising up the board to me. He has moved up to number two in my power rankings today. And I think that there's a very good opportunity that he could be number one uh by the time the Bears are drafting ninth overall, uh, you know, four weeks from today. Reason being, this kid is explosive and athletic and strong and has great core strength. And I think that he has the athleticism that the Bears want and the flexibility to do a lot of things, to not only protect Justin Fields, but be able to run with Justin Fields in the open field, get out on the edge and help guys like Deontay Foreman and Khalil Herbert, you know, do more of these, these zone run reads out to the edge, uh, being able to get out in traffic and get guys like Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney and DJ Moore to be able to kind of work those that, that screen game a little bit and get outside. And so I, I think that Broder Jones, for, for my money, I still, like I said, have Paris number one, but boy, he is he is really impressing, I think, right now, especially he just had an amazing pro day at, at Georgia, and I would not be shocked if he goes uh, ninth overall to the Bears in four weeks. Yeah, and I think a lot uh, has to be said, of course. You know, the knock on Skaronsky might just be the schedule that these guys play, right, and the competition that you play against. So the Big Ten is no slouch for sure, Uh but you, you think about between Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones, I mean, those are top-tier programs, of course. And Northwestern, again, no slouch, but uh, it goes without saying that you have a good pro day to add on to that tape where you're playing against the Alabamas of the world and playing Michigan, and, and you're really uh, performing well. That says a lot. And Paris Johnson, between the two of them, Johnson and, and Jones, they're both just massive human beings, both – you know, over six, five and 300 pounds, which you would want. But Skaronsky, I think where a lot of folks like him going in that top 10 is because of his mobility, because of him being able to move across the line if, if needed. He doesn't, you know, as far as lineman stats in the combine, you're not looking at all that. You're looking at the tape. You're looking at how quickly they can move against these these coaches testing for their reaction time and all of this when they're um, facing, you know, the best pass rushers in the league. So it's, it's tough to evaluate all those, all the three of them right now. And then a name that just popped up. I don't know if you've really looked at it Ross as a possibility, but I feel like, 
you know, after the combine going into, uh, you know, less than a month away from the draft is Osiris Torrance, who's been yeah. coming out and he's a senior has been playing for played four years at Florida. And, you know, that's almost a knock these days when these guys play a full four years of college. Correct. And you think the, the wear and tear on their body really shortens their career right away. It's like, Oh, you're already 22. You're already, you've missed at least like two, three years of NFL eligibility. So it's, it's, uh, it's surprising for me to see that it workouts aside and all that um, to see a guy like that vaulted almost into the top 10 conversation. Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, Bayless Jones was proof last year, you know, polls is not, uh, you know, scared to take older players. I just think that, um, for this spe uh, position specifically, he wants explosiveness and high athletic ability, and he wants guys as young as possible to, you know, you get a left tackle in the NFL, and it's it's almost like having a quarterback because, you know, those once you get one and you find one, you want to keep them for 10 to 15 years, and you never let those – those guys very rarely hit the open market. Um, you know, they get paid, you know, they're, they're, they're second or third highest paid on the team. And so I, I think when you can get one at 21 years old, you definitely want to, you know, be able to get that and then, you know, hold on to him for the next decade. Plus, I, I know Foster's uh, Foster has a question here about Skaronsky. I don't think Skaronsky has the explosive athleticism that, um, that Ryan Poles is looking for right now at the ninth overall pick. And I know a lot of people have thought about him being a guard and mostly they, they call him a guard because when he, you know, extends his arms, he, he doesn't have the arm length that they're looking for, for an offensive tackle. It's starting in the NFL. And he just isn't as explosiveness out his stance. He usually allows the blockers to come to that, to him and he absorbs the block, which is okay when you're playing in the big 10 and you're playing for Northwestern. But when you see guys opposite the field from you and it's why it's, it's, it's Von Miller. And it's Micah Parsons and it's TJ Watt and it's so on and so forth. You have got to explode out of your stance and hit those guys before they hit you first or else it's game over. And I think that's why I really like Broderick Jones a lot because he has that explosiveness and that athletic ability uh, that, that polls, I think, covets right now. And he's extremely young, redshirt sophomore coming off of the national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, good points there, Ross. And to your point about tackles getting paid, just look at this free agency. And Orlando Brown getting paid by the Bengals for four years for $64 million. And then mm -hmm. uh, Mike McGlinchey getting huge money from the Broncos, almost $90 million, $87.5 million. So that's what you're trying to get in a, you know, and, and McGlinchey's 28 at this point, but he's earned that contract after playing his, his uh, ass off in San Francisco for so long. Mm -hmm. So it looks certainly to to be like this is the number one need on offense, obviously for the Bears. But and Lucas Van Ness, we talked about Jalen Carter. Uh, you, you think about the other prospects like Tyree Wilson, who's out there, and and mm -hmm. uh, Nolan Smith. Maybe if he's he's available at nine, you really look long and hard because these these edge rushers are just as important as perhaps a tackle. And for a Bears, you know, the offense was really as bad as the offensive line was thought to be going into the season, I think it certainly outplayed expectations, even though Justin Fields was running for his life a lot of the times. Um, but look at Tevin Jenkins, look at uh, progression from that young man and, and really shuffled along in Braxton Jones, who was a, a diamond in the rough type of player where they could work at it. And maybe Ryan Pace has some other idea than to draft an offensive tackle at number nine. 
these guys are, are super appealing when you look at Nolan Smith and you look at the physicality of Lucas Van Ness, or if Jalen Carter does drop to nine, you really got to consider is the tape, uh, the tape was there, right? And his play throughout his career at Georgia was pretty incredible. And before, you know, the, this whole reckless driving before the, this, uh, this law, this um, skirmish, what, what would you call it? Just, yeah, this whole confusion with the law coming up that really, threw a, a wrench into his, um, you know, character, however you were trying to look at his outlook, I should say. Um, anyways, like he, he really looked like he would be that guy in a, who is destined to be a top five pick, if not number two overall, something like that. So I guess what I'm asking Ross is how likely do you think it is to take an edge rusher or some defensive player over these tackles that we talked about? Yeah, certainly it's possible. You know, we talk about edge rushers and stuff like that, but you know, I, I wouldn't sleep on even the bears looking at corner. I, I mean, you know, Christian yeah. Gonzalez, the, the cornerback from, from Oregon, if he's there at nine, it's going to be really, really difficult to, to pass him up. I mean, listen, remember, you still have to pay Jalen Johnson or you don't. <laughs> you know, Jalen Johnson is a is a great corner for the Bears. He's been great for, for the Bears, but he also can't stay on the football field, you know, in, in his career. He gets hurt a lot. And and, and so you got Kyler Gordon from, from last year. You got Jaquan Brisker. Um, and you want to be able to re-sign, um, you know, Jalen Johnson. But, you know, listen, also Christian Gonzalez, he'd be he, – he's got star potential in Matt Everflus's, you know, kind of, you know, upscale cover two system. Same thing with Devon Witherspoon, who's going to be a cornerback coming out of uh, Illinois, another local kid. Um, but, yeah, there's some, there's some edge guys. I think edge guys would be a possibility um, if the Bears wanted to trade back a little bit. So if there's maybe a guy on the board and, and somebody like the Patriots want to move up a little bit to go get a guy that they covet, then all of a sudden guys like Nolan Smith really come into play for me. Um, you know, Miles Murphy, the, the edge rusher uh, from Clemson comes into play, even a guy like Joey Porter Jr. But, you know, Darnell Wright's been kicked around as an offensive tackle as well. There's certainly some, some, some options there. Speaking about Jalen Carter specifically, I, I, I know we talked about this for a couple of weeks. I just can't yep. see him on the bears board right now because of the legal situation, which is got resolved in the, at the end of the day, unfortunately, um, you know, two people have did lost their life, um, lose their life, but um, he was only charged with some misdemeanor stuff. But I think it was that leading into the pro day and, and which really probably really concerns the bears. And there was a report today coming out of the athletic out of Las Vegas that they have taken him off their draft board. And I think a lot of teams are, are especially within the top 10 are going to have Jalen Carter, not on their draft board right now. And, and I think it's going to take a team that has a great infrastructure, kind of a championship environment to be able to welcome him in and kind of treat him like a luxury a la the Kansas City Chiefs or something like that, right? Or even like the Buffalo Bills, maybe a little bit later in the draft. So I think he might fall a little bit. You know, touching on the Bears, you know, draft stuff just really quickly. Um, you know, Jordan Reed, if you guys don't follow him on Twitter, um, him and I are not related. I spell my name R-E-A-D. He spells his R-E-I-D. Um but he came out with outstanding um, seven-round mock draft the other day on ESPN. You got to be an ESPN insider to read it. But I'll, I'll go through it real quickly. He had Broderick Jones, you know, number nine overall to the Chicago Bears, right? And, and so all of a sudden, you know, he's a very smart guy, Jordan Reed. He even himself is starting to see the buzz a little bit. And then in the second round, um, I'm trying to fast forward here and get to round two. Bear with me. Huh? And where the Bears have two picks. They have two picks in the draft, right? So they are drafting at 15. 
on your screen yeah, they, there. I got it. They're at 53rd overall. So he took Isaiah Foskey, the edge uh, rusher from Notre Dame. So boom, there you go. You get your you get your edge guy right there, right? And oh, then wow. he and then he went defense again, and he took Julius Brents, cornerback out of Kansas State. And to me, those were th- those would be three home run picks for the Bears. You get three starters right off the bat. You get your offensive tackle for the next ten plus years. You get an edge rusher, which you desperately need. You get a cornerback who you can build with. Keep Kyler Gordon in the nickel spot. Hopefully, you can re-sign Jalen Johnson, and you've got that uh, secondary solidified for a long time. So I like that draft a lot. If if the Bears were the swing out that way. I know in the comments, people are saying Carter drops to the second round. There's no chance he drops out of that, out of the first round, in my opinion. It would be very shocking. But uh, stranger things have happened, I should say. But focusing on the Bears, uh, 10 picks overall, that's second round with those two picks. It's like you said, Ross, if you get your tackle, get whoever your guy is at number nine, whether it be Jones or or Paris Johnson or one of these other guys that we talked about, then you could really – start drafting multiple guys who really are, are needed multiple linemen certainly later as you go but in the second round alone you might swing for an edge you might look at a corner um and we haven't talked about wide receiver where i still think the bears certainly are looking at a guy they're going to give Velas jones another try this year and he'll certainly have the benefit of having um a year under his belt having played in the nfl but it's it's a really deep class of wide receivers. I think the drop off after the, the top three guys is is pretty steep. But um, you know the, the Bears could certainly use help there. Who, who do you want to see besides Edge in the second round and beyond? Yeah, I mean, you know, at some point the Bears are also going to have to address this interior offensive line as well because um, Cody Whitehair is a little bit up in age. Um, you don't really want to rely on Lucas Patrick maybe as your starting center as well. He was a guy that. He's a veteran. He's been in this league for a long time. He was hurt for most of, of, of last year. You, you you would like to see Lucas Patrick be a uh, an interior backup, so to speak. So I do think that the Bears are going to address the center position as well. Uh, probably, if not the second round, definitely in the third and fourth round. And that would be your starting center of the future. And then, you, you know, it, you can line up with, you know, Broderick Jones at, at uh, left tackle. Um, Tevin Jenkins will be your new left guard. Insert rookie at center, right guard is um is uh the guy they just signed. He's escaping my name right now from from the Titans, and then uh your right tackle would be uh Braxton Jones. You talk about uh Nate Nate uh yes yeah. Nate Davis Nate Davis yeah. Davis rather yeah yes yes and listen if that's your five that's I, it's much better than last year very solid and it goes back to this narrative that Ryan Bowles is adding just it's such a, a really great turnaround uh, just looking at free agency alone and you have 10 picks uh you know in the draft upcoming so it's it should be a lot of quality and quantity when you're looking at it and guys who some won't make the roster probably in the later picks but but we've talked about receivers and skill position guys and running backs and how they go beyond and, and players that can have a real big impact can go fourth round, fifth round, seventh round, where the Bears have a, a bunch of picks. They have two in the fifth, two in the seventh, and you could get some studs there. It's it's not unheard of for sure. So it's going to be exciting to see what the Bears do. Do you want to see them do anything else in free agency at this point between now and then? You know, there's guys like Jadavian Clowney out there, and I suppose you could make a run at, at um, Rocky Scene, maybe something like that, if you can, I don't know, get a decent um, contract that's friendly with your cap space right now. But uh, what would you like to see, Ross? 
you know, I yes, I do think they're going to add a couple uh, veterans, specifically at edge, specifically. Uh, I still think an offensive tackle could come, even though they're going to draft a rookie at offensive tackle. I still think that you could bring a guy in there just in case your 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 rookie's not ready yet, or um, or even Braxton Jones needs a little bit of a push, or you just need a veteran backup, which we see all the time is guys get hurt in the NFL. So I do think that the Bears are going to add in some veterans. I think they're also holding on to cap space right now because we we've seen in this league post draft cuts post june 1st cuts big names hit the market you know right after the draft and right before and after mini cap starts and you want to have the flexibility to bring in some of these guys and into your team so the bears even with all the moves that they have right now they still have the most cap space uh in the nfl and then of course they're going to want to bring back some of their guys to to long-term deals Cole Komet is a, is a guy that, that we talk about, right? We've just talked about Jalen Johnson. And, of course, Darnell Mooney seems like a guy that's probably going to be here for a long time as well. There you go, Ross. Let's go to the rest of the NFL headlines right now. As again, we're just waiting for the draft, and we're seeing guys like Will Levis bulk up from Kentucky and, and Richardson out of Florida is you know hitting the ceiling on his pro day and doing backflips, and there's some – super athletic quarterbacks and, and looking outside, obviously um, CJ Stroud and Bryce young, that there's some talent there and, and some teams are going to get really lucky, but the big uh, headline right now is, is certainly just a, a lot of the dysfunction with Lamar Jackson. As we alluded to early earlier, he may have been franchise tag, but these, well, first of all, the, these questions about him not wanting to play for contract leverage, which just seemed ludicrous when people, spotted that out him sitting out the playoff game. And when Huntley got the start, it didn't make a ton of sense, but we know that he's been, he's been unhappy and he's been, now he's being very vocal about wanting a trade from the Ravens at this point, uh, you know, people were throwing out the Patriots as a potential landing spot. And then Asante Samuel said, you don't want to go there, bro. And so many other teams and, and players, everybody has had their sort of opinion. Are you, thinking that Lamar will suit up for the Ravens ultimately, or, or does this maybe get settled in the off season where he gets dealt to another team? Yeah, I think he's done in Baltimore. I think he's been done think in Baltimore. That. Yeah. I think he's, he was done in Baltimore last year, in my opinion. I, I, you know, I know he tweeted out this week. He's been tweeting a lot lately. This, this happens when you don't have an agent, you know, in your corner telling you when to be quiet and, and when to talk and stuff like that. But I know he tweeted out that he didn't fake any injuries last year or anything like that, but now listen, he, he didn't play down the stretch last year. He didn't play in a pay, in a, in a playoff game last year. And um, I think the writing was on the wall back then. To me, the writing was on the wall. Not that he didn't play in the games. I'll, I'll never question if a guy is injured or, or healthy or not. But he wasn't even on the sidelines for your playoff game, right? And that, to me, is a big indicator of if a guy is done with a franchise or not. And so I, I think he's done with them. I think the Ravens would potentially like him back, but on their – terms on on their uh contract terms i think lamar is done with them and so i think that the a trade will happen eventually now there's two timelines for a possible trade number one to me is obviously between now and the draft but i think there's only one team that could potentially do that and i think that's the indianapolis colts and i think as they look at the draft right now and how it's falling into place they're not going to get stroud or they're not going to get Bryce Young, right? So you're left with maybe Richardson, although he could go third overall. And Will Levi, are you a Will Levi guy? Um, you know, and so do you want to trade the the fourth overall pick 
and another first round pick for Lamar Jackson. I think it's a no brainer because the Colts have been in quarterback hell since Andrew Luck left. Um, But I think that right now there's no use in them betting against themselves because nobody else is going to make those kind of trades right now. I think nobody else wants to trade, uh, you know, high over high, high round picks right now for, for Lamar Jackson when, and I think this is a more likely scenario, you can wait until after the draft, hold on to the pick that you just made, right? Let's say you're Atlanta for whatever, and Atlanta's at, I don't know where the hell they're at, they're at sixth or fifth or seventh, I don't know where they're at. Um, but let's say you're Atlanta and you just made that pick, and then you can revisit the Lamar Jackson. I know they said they're not interested. I think that's bullshit. I, I think a lot of teams are saying that just to say that right now is posturing. Broken mirrors. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then all of a sudden you're trading a 2024 first and a 2025 first round pick. And that's more palatable because you know you're going to be a good football team now that you added Lamar Jackson to the mix. So I think the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes will heat up uh, more so after the draft. And uh, I kind of tweeted this out this week. I, I, I know that um, some sources have said no, but don't sleep on the Patriots I, because, you know, Robert Kraft is like 80-something years old or 80 years old. Bill Belichick is in his 70s. Um, do you really think that those guys are just happy with Mac Jones like as their quarterback long-term? I, I don't feel good about that if I was a Patriots fan. That guy's a backup. I think he's a career backup quarterback. Um and Robert Kraft came out this week and said that, you know, he, he addressed what Meek, what Meek Mill said. And, uh, you know, he, he said that, you know, most importantly, what he said was, I got the money. I got the money to pay Lamar if I need to. It's Bill's call. And I think that uh, Bill Belichick, who's gushed about Lamar Jackson in the past, um, could potentially revisit this uh, after the draft. Makes sense for the Patriots and the Colts. It frankly makes sense for Atlanta, too. I know that Art Blank was talking about his durability, which I don't question, man. I, I think that he just had a bad string of these last couple of years, and it was smart to sit out that playoff game ultimately, and, and lashing out is, is what you're going to do if you're Lamar Jackson. But I, I just can't really imagine him as a cult, but someone's got to make a run for or this guy who is, you know, a couple of years removed from being MVP of the league and is a he's yeah a really pr- profoundly good quarterback. Yeah, he listen. He's only twenty six years old, and, and you yeah. know he's a guy who you insert him in your offense. He is your offense. I think people did people forget this guy threw for over three thousand yards a couple of years ago, had over thirty touchdowns, only six interceptions, and also ran for twelve hundred yards. Those guys will just they they'll just like grow on trees. Like, you can't tell me here's the thing that that bothers me the most about kind of what these other teams are saying, right? Especially the durability standpoint, like you had Matt Ryan for like 10 years, who was just a goddamn statue back there and just would get his ass kicked. And now you see who he is right now. It's like, I actually would want the mobile guy and the guy that moves around a little bit over the statues. That's just hit the pocket as the actually studies show that the quarterbacks who get hurt the most in the NFL are doing are getting hurt from the pocket and anytime Lamar Jackson has gotten hurt in his career it is from the pocket when these guys get on the edge and stuff like that listen linebackers are not hitting Lamar Jackson flush or head on he, he is too dynamic of an athlete to 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 you know have that happen to him so I, I kind of push back at that and then it's like are you really going to tell me if you're Atlanta you're going to roll with Spencer Rattler as your quarterback He's like Sierra Miss Lamar Jackson, like, <laughs> like, like, like. So I don't, I don't know what we're doing here. Like Lamar Jackson would be awesome, and I think Lamar Jackson's game as he gets older translates really, really well to playing ha- at least half his games indoors. 
which bowls well for the Colts and the Falcons. I think you put that guy on turf, get him out of the cold weather, I think he becomes an even much better player. Interesting. Something to monitor there. And Ross, I'm not going to lie, Megan the Stallion came across my timeline, so I, I had to, yeah, had to, saw had to focus <laughs> on better things for a second there. <laughs> Cliff asked, do you guys – I got yes, she's gonna get memed a lot. Uh, oh my god! ESPN was was focusing on her assets for sure. Evan, you guys <laughs> think teams will shy away because of Lamar's actions during these negotiations? So this is like a Roquan Smith sort of situation, right? Where mm-hmm. you don't have a, a rosed house in your corner, or one of these huge Ari Gold type agents in your corner, and that's that's a big detractor for a lot of these teams. But ultimately, your talent speaks for yourself, I think, and. If you're unhappy, there's going to be a landing spot for you. Unfortunately, I do think that the Ravens do hold the cards to an extent, having tagged him. And for these teams that it could be, again, smoke and mirrors where he might not. uh, These teams that say they're not interested actually are interested and see how the draft shakes out. Um, I I don't think that teams will. Certainly some teams will shy away. um, But I think more you focus on his age, you focus on what he's done and then you go and make those calls. And now it's that sort of tampering period and, and um, other teams are going to come knocking and, and flesh it out. And then you got to talk to the Ravens to see uh, you know, what they want in return potentially. So it's just a matter of, you know, anything, everything's negotiable, right. As, as Cliff, you well know. So it could, he could be in a cult uniform or, or Falcons come, you know, this summer easily. Yeah. And I do think that Lamar would have had a deal with the Ravens already if he had an agent. I, I think what happens is when you don't have an agent as, as an athlete, anytime you enter a, a negotiation and you're the one doing the negotiating, part of a negotiation is they're going to say things not ideal about you because they're trying to bring the cost down, right? And so when the Ravens are in there, they're, they're going to say not great things about you. It shouldn't yeah. be any hard feelings. It's just business. But when you're not used to those kind of conversations and you're a guy like Lamar Jackson, you hear that, you probably take a little bit more offense to it. Whereas if you had an agent, he would just kind of brush it off and, and, and smooth it over and stuff like that. So I think that that whole process, in addition to the communication thing, we saw the weird story last week with the, the, the manager guy and stuff like that. This whole thing has hurt Lamar Jackson in that regard. Even still, in a league right now where we are seeing a transition of quarterbacks and and most of the good quarterbacks are in the AFC right now, guys like Lamar Jackson don't just grow on trees. And so you can't tell me if you're rolling out there, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howe, right? Um, um, I don't know what the hell Kelvin Colts are going to going to do. I've even seen San Francisco's name, you know, kicked around if you're going to throw Brock Purdy out there coming off of Tommy John surgery so far and so like like you know Mac Jones we saw what the Bears did to Mac Jones last year you have to be in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes because he's 26 years old this guy's an MVP he's a one-man offense you put him in some of these situations the Titans what the hell the Titans going to do is Ryan Tannehill your guy you know like 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 you you have to kick the tires out of him you know absolutely like Two two first round picks for a guy of Lamar Jackson's of caliber. It's a bargain to me. It's nothing. I'll I'll sell that in a second. There she is. <laughs> the pitch itself. Let's just play by play this. <laughs> Houston zone. <laughs> while she while she warms up. Uh, they, call her, you know, they call her the stallion for a reason. The stallion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the chains on and everything. The nails. Just Good wait for, for the pitch though. 
Uh, it's a tough situation if you're the Ravens, yeah. too, because you're thinking about your history at quarterback. Most recently, Joe Flacco took you to a Super Bowl, and you have a, a huge talent in Lamar Jackson. You just got to build around him because he didn't have shit to work with to an extent this last year. You had guys like, you know, no, no one at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. You had no protection. Mm-hmm. Which was just a bit outside. Yeah. So look at the mascot in the back. <laughs> oh, my God. At least you didn't throw underhand. There you go. Watch, watch the hand place me here after the hug. Look at that. Oh, look where the glove was. <laughs> <laughs> take, take it easy. Let's get that glove above oh, the belt. Above the belt. <laughs> good for you, Megan. Good for you. Uh, it's a good time to to transition, Ross. Let's talk opening day as we just saw. Man, Jose Abreu, that looks weird in an Astros uniform. And uh, your White Sox are, are playing as we speak. 0-0, bottom of the second. The Cubs are 1-0. Let's go. Beating the Brewers 4-0. I don't I don't know a ton of this roster at all now. It, uh, But I was happy to see there's a guy named uh, Master Boney in right field. How about that? What are your expectations? I know you were you're tweeting about it that they might be surprising some teams, and I think there's you know I feel like their division is certainly wide open. What are, what are your expectations, in, at least in this first half, looking for your White Sox? Yeah, I, I think both Chicago teams could could shock some people. I, listen, I, both teams are, are very much so under the radar. The White Sox came into last year um, with with all the pressure on, on them. They were were World Series contenders, right? They had an old man for a manager, which obviously did not end well. And I think this year, all that talent is still there. All those guys are still there. We lost Jose Abreu, but, you know, you, you enter in Adam uh, Andrew Vaughn, who's just, you know, a younger version of first-round draft pick. And um, I, I think the White Sox could definitely compete in that division. I, I think what has killed them in the past is they have not been able to beat up on teams in their own division. So they got to handle business against the Twins and the Royals and the uh, in in the uh, um, um, guardians, I almost call them the other word in the uh, in the twins, obviously, <laughs> right? So, um, but I, I do think they they can compete, and I hope that you know I, what I tweeted out earlier was just like it's summer in Chicago is amazing. It's 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 top three summertime cities in the world, but it is more fun when both baseball teams are good, right? And let's hope that we can all go out there and, and sit on a, a, a patio at a Parsons or Paradise Park or anything like that and, and enjoy each other's company and have a cold beer in 85 degree weather and also have good baseball to watch in the background and stuff like that. That, that would be fun. So, um, you know, I, I, I have high hopes for the White Sox. I will be at opening day on Monday at the G spot um, at, at guaranteed rate field. I am also flying out next week to Pittsburgh to uh, go see the White Sox in Pittsburgh's home opener. Uh-huh. Um, as, as people know, I'm a huge Roberto Clemente fan, so I'm making my first pilgrimage sure. pilgrimage to, to Pittsburgh to go to the museum. I'm going to sit in right field uh, where they've got the 21-foot wall. I'm going to rep my White Sox, but also show some love to Roberto Clemente. So I, I'm excited about the season. I, I live one stop away from the red line. I hope that they're good enough I can go to a, ton, to a ton of games this year. How do you feel about the Cubs, though? Never been to Pittsburgh. I actually yeah. do feel good about the clubs, the Cubs, as much as I, I make a joke there, because because they've, as much as they've, just completely went away from that core of 2016, which is a long time coming, right? You start to re up on age, and so they've really rebuilt this infield. And look at Dansby Swanson, who played mm-hmm. really well today. He had uh, an RBI. He was making contact with the with the ball, and then you look at Trey Mancini, who's who's another guy who and Bellinger. So 
it, it's got potential, right? And mm-hmm. and you're certainly chasing the Cardinals who have been who are usually the class of, of the Central. I feel like, but I feel good about it. it. Just ultimately, like like every year with the Cubs, it does fall largely on pitching. And uh, Marcus Stroman getting a, a good win today and um, and six innings pitch. So I, I feel good about it. We shall see. There's a little bit of optimism. I I want to see that shift now that Wrigleyville is the Wrigleyville that the Ricketts envisioned, right? You can't fucking build that, that, that part of town out anymore. The hotels are there. All the, the newer bars are there. You've torn, torn down a lot of the old ones um, besides sluggers and shit that now you can focus on putting together a, a perhaps uh, you know winning roster at this point. So yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good times this summer when Pittsburgh I've never been to Pittsburgh. I don't know what to do uh, in Pittsburgh. Is that where they got pit beef and shit like that? What, what, what else is on your list? Uh, I don't know. There's a bunch of gastro pubs. They actually have like some good breweries out there, some some whiskey distilleries and stuff like that. So I'll be there Thursday evening through Sunday morning. Obviously, it's Easter weekend. But I honestly, we're going to go to the game on, on Friday afternoon. I'm probably going to go to the game again. It's a Saturday night game and just kind of, hang out the weather looks surprisingly decent like 65 degrees i've never been there either i i you know i i heard it's it's on the water which is going to be cool our hotel is staying literally right on the water you cross a bridge and, and pnc park is right there so i'm excited nice. I, I like crossing off a a city that i've never been to uh, and and then b uh, a ballpark i've never been to as well and again i'm huge i've, I've been a, 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 a clemente kind of a you know, followers since I was a, a young man, both what he did on and off the field um, was was absolutely amazing. So it's going to be cool to kind of be there and go to the museum and, and, and stuff like that as well. You've said the museum twice now, Ross. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Clemente <laughs> Museum, we got to go. Yeah, you do. That's for sure. Yeah. And you uh, get to see a bunch of uh, what was the Dark Knight Rising? It was a bunch of. It was shots Dark Knight there. Rises was shot yeah. there. Yeah, I'll I'll run on the field like Heinz Ward as Bane blows it up. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be fun. <laughs> Bane throughout Pittsburgh. Um, did like Cliff's in the darkness. <laughs> I liked shout Cliff's comment about. I, I also don't know how on the note of Megan the Stallion, women get into pants like that. It's un- unbelievable. It's a, lot of jump, a lot of jumping and praying. Jumping into it. Nice. Yeah. Nice shot there. <laughs> Good work. All of placement. Look at that glove placement. He is Shout the happiest person. On Look the at that right smile. Uh, like he touched his first ass. Love it. All right. Moving on to, uh, <laughs> to the NCAA tourney. And again, this is one of the craziest March Madnesses we could have ever hoped for as we saw you know, going back to Purdue going down and again, a number one seed uh, losing was incredible. But now look at this final four. Uh, Cinderella is certainly FAU. You could name any of these teams, I feel like, in, in the final four. But mm-hmm. UConn taking on Miami while San Diego State plays FAU, who keeps topping themselves. Uh, it's zero top 30 recruits left now amongst these teams as far as, you know, looking ahead to playing in, in the majors. Gary's own John L. Davis has been a big leader for FAU, but uh, it's more about, about what March is about. I feel like with these teams playing with such good chemistry, and that's what takes you to that next level. So FAU, a couple games away from being turning champs, and the same could be said about SDSU, where there was that controversy against Creighton, but they're in the Final Four for good reason after they beat Alabama, um, amongst other teams. They've been solid defensively. they got a group that's been playing together for a while. And then on the other side, you got UConn, who just beat the tar out of Gonzaga by almost 30 
Um, and they've been doing this all tournament long, beating teams soundly efficient on both ends of the floor. There's co- there are questions about their head coach, but those have certainly been answered. And, you know, they're in a good place right now. They're playing a Miami team that's really hot. They've been a surprise beating heavyweight after heavyweight. They took down Texas most recently. Um, and then Houston before that, Jordan Miller, he didn't miss in that game. The senior for the team for the Hurricanes and Isaiah Wong, that's a big contributor to the backcourt back as well. It makes for an exciting Final Four right, right now. The Hurricanes also making free throws, which is huge in college and you don't see a lot of. Are you pulling for any of these teams? I feel like UConn's still the favorite, but uh, you know I could easily see San Diego State is just so good about pacing these games out where they could certainly make a run. Um, or one of these other teams. What do you think, Ross? You've been following it? Yeah, I've been following it. I watched a lot of basketball last week out of town. Um, that's the beauty of being on the West Coast is these games are like super duper early in the afternoon, yeah. in the evening and stuff like that. So um, I, I've been digging what Miami's been doing. They've been super impressive to me throughout the whole tournament. They, they've been a team that has been knocking down three-pointers like crazy uh, you know, you know, throughout the tournament. Um, but then in the last game, they actually just relied a lot on two pointers. They didn't even, you know, they barely shot any threes. And so you show, they showed their versatility a little bit. I, I like a team like, like, you know, Miami just, you know, is the team that we've known for a long time as a powerhouse football school, but it's been a decent basketball program the last couple of years, but for them now to be in this, in this final four spot is, is really, really fun. The jerseys look cool. I've always been a fan of, of Hurricanes jerseys and yeah. stuff like that. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's I like their program a lot. Um, San Diego State, I've always loved San Diego State's, uh, you know, program. I love the school. Obviously, it's known uh, predominantly as a, as a baseball school, but they've also had a, a decent football program as well. And then FAU, you know, shout out to them for just – you know, it's it's what we love about the tournament of the, of the little guy keep pushing ahead. And I feel like every single year, the last couple of years, we've been seeing little guys just push a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And all of a sudden we've got Florida Atlantic. You know, I, I couldn't tell you where I couldn't point to you on a map where Florida Atlantic was at. Uh, right. But they are they are here now in the final four. But listen, this is a team that's thirty five and three. You know, you know, and so, you know, we, we call them, you know, little guys, underdogs, but they have only three losses all year. And I think it shows you the, 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 the talent level in college basketball is kind of leveling out a little bit, especially when, you know, your top two picks will be in the NBA, in the NBA draft this year will be Victor Wimiyama and, and, and Scoot Harris. Those guys are both not college basketball players. And so when you start to bring the elite talent out of it, it starts to level the gap. But even if you look in the NBA, Sacramento Kings clinched a playoff berth last night. And and, and and we're starting to see the balance of power start to level out a little bit throughout basketball. I just think because we do have such high-quality basketball players now, the skill set is getting better and better. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting to see. Um, you know, you, you, you and your lovely wife and daughter will be over here on Saturday. We will definitely be able to watch at least the first game, uh, kick off. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited. And, uh, you know, Monday night is, is when they start these games. I'm going to get on my soapbox and start the game at like probably almost nine o'clock like they usually do. Oh, the worst. And, yeah. And go through all that shit. One shiny moment. We'll start. We'll, we'll wrap up right about midnight. Yeah. How it goes, my friend. Yeah, Kings ending their 16-year playoff drought. That came to yeah. an end. And uh, yeah. shout out to Dusty May, the FAU basketball coach. He's probably going to get a contract from some other team, you would think. And going yeah. back to your your point about the depth in college basketball and just 
the pool of talent now is bananas. Look at you know McDonald's All American game where Bronny James was was the big headline maker on uh, Tuesday, but there's just all sorts of talent where you think these guys could certainly just jump. Some of these guys could certainly jump right to the NBA. So it's exciting to see again that aspect of of March Madness where you see these teams come together in San Diego State and all these teams here for that reason where you see a grouping of, of some of these upperclassmen who've played a lot of these games together, trying to get that, uh, get to that one shining moment where they're raising the ultimate trophy. And on, on the note of that, we got to give a shout out to the women because it's a pretty mm-hmm. incredible tournament as well, where, you know, Louisville versus Iowa had more TV viewers than any NBA game at ESPN aired all season this past Sunday. And it was mm-hmm. you know, worth the watch alone for Caitlin Clark when she's raining threes and, and doing the John Cena and, Fucking had 41-point triple-double in that game, and Iowa plays unbeaten South Carolina, led by Don Staley, and that's a great story as well. That's at 8 o'clock tomorrow night, and, uh, you know, Virginia Tech and, and LSU before that. These, these ladies are, are really impressive. Caitlin Clark is, is is just won the Naismith, too, and she is uh, she's out of this world, man. Listen, she we've seen, you know, throughout our lifetimes, we've seen Cheryl Miller's and we've seen, uh, you know, Diana Taurasi and, and we've seen Rebecca Lobo and Lisa Leslie and some big time stars for, for women's basketball. But she might be the one. She might be the one that that puts this sport in much needed in a category very similar to where women's soccer is at right now, especially with the uh, with the national games and how popular the the women's national soccer team is. She might be the one that really, really is going to start getting a, a bigger group of masses to pay attention to women's basketball. Just wait till she gets to the next level. Hopefully, fingers crossed, she comes to the Chicago Sky. She gets drafted by the Chicago Sky. And um, yeah, that she's she's gonna she's gonna have endorsement deals. You're gonna see her face everywhere as as, as you should. And she is a superstar uh, in all the sports. It doesn't matter if it's if it's men's or women's. It doesn't matter. Yeah, Don Bird. Nobody wants piston tickets. You take that shit out of our chat. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like Love the old it. joke. Is like you know I, I I had two piston tickets and somebody broke into my car and and, and left three. <laughs> well played there it is ross you've been watching snowfall i have been watching snowfall i am completely caught up spoiler oh, I'm alert not, i'm not no i'm not okay completely caught i won't up. do it i won't do it yeah i, I got up to uh well spoiler alert for for those who haven't watched any of it but but uh rp jerome that's that's the most recent one that i watched that is the most and, recent uh, one yes. oh boy man so we got a new one tonight and uh it's a great character arc for him and it's fucking crazy how things have fallen off off it the is, it is. wheels here. Yeah, watching that and shrinking and Ted Lasso and all the good stuff at this point. Yeah. Right now. I started and um, back. Are you a succession, succession guy? I am a succession guy. I watched the episode on Sunday. It was, it was good. Gotta see the you family know. dysfunction. We love it. Absolutely. Shout out to uh, Roman Roy. He's my favorite character on the show. He's hilarious. Uh, Macaulay Culkin's younger brother, Kieran. Um, I started Yellow Jackets on Showtime, which is just bonkers. It's about the the girls uh, high school soccer team that got to the plane crash and they do some weird stuff to survive. And then they oh. kind of come to grips with it as adults and, and have to, it, it's, it's a good show. So check out yellow jackets um, as, as well. But yeah, I, I, this is the, we got some good TV stuff. You know, Ted Lasso came back. I haven't jumped into it yet. I like binge watching Ted Lasso. So probably jump into that in a couple of weeks, but yeah, we got some good stuff right now. And, and, you know, we got some, we're about to head into the, the the blockbuster movie season soon. We get the Mario movie next week. I'm super Ooh. excited about that. All-star cast. 
Yeah. That's going to be a family affair going to the Mario movie. Uh, I can't wait for that. And on the music side, we get we get another Tyler, the Creator album tomorrow. Did you know that? Oh, a new one? Or are we getting the deluxe version of Call Me If You Get Lost? This is a new I one? I think we're getting a new album tomorrow. I think he's doing another album with DJ Drama. And DJ Drama is also coming out with his own solo album tomorrow. So we're getting double DJ Drama projects tomorrow. One for Tyler, the Creator, and then one compilation album for himself. So yeah, a little, little new music heading into the weekend. Goodness, uh, on the on the note of music, I, I was you know I'm trying to trying to keep up with the the young people. Ross as the Lollapalooza lineups are at, and and uh, I'm trying to understand Ice Spice's little orphan Annie haircut. And uh, she, I saw she sampled "I Need a Girl," and I know Diddy got paid for that. It's like all these beats are getting recycled. I heard uh, this other rapper sampled "Freak a Leak." Yes. And I hope Petey Pablo got paid for that. Lord knows we don't know what he's doing. I'm Probably sure the day got for that. Yeah. Yes. Crazy. <laughs> recycled. Uh, I don't know. Ice Spice isn't for me. You into Ice Spice? Uh, no, that's a little Respect too young for me. Stuff, but yes. Yeah, I don't know. Yes. No. Tyler the Creator would be nuts, though. Oh, yes. we didn't talk about uh, with the NFL. Who do you want seeing? Uh, seeing where number zero on the Bears and beyond? Oh, yeah. Darnell Mooney had uh, had had. Alvin Ridley's had, wearing zero, right? He's wearing zero. Uh, Michael Parsons said that he's going to switch to the number zero. Um, you know, Darnell Mooney had tweeted out like a little, you know, one of these things. And then he found out that um, when you when you switch numbers in the NFL, you have to buy the back jersey numbers that you had before. And I think Darnell Mooney probably saw the, the bill for that and said, I think I'll stick with number 11. So, um you know, you, you've got to be pretty up there in in in, uh, in money and stature to be able to to make the switch to pay for that. So, um, I I don't like the fact that they they don't open it up to the linemen though. I Wouldn't it be cool to have like I was going to say a, a D lineman or a center wearing yeah, zero? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even you know, like if the Bears were to draft Broderick Jones, like obviously he would wear number fifty nine because that's where he went in college, but. Man, number zero on the left side would be pretty freaking cool too. Number zero protecting number one while he's throwing it to number two, DJ Moore. It's it's, it's sitting right there for you. Be pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, you you following this Bulls push for the for the uh, plan, Ross? As uh, well, they most recently lost to the Lakers. That was fun yeah. for the jawing and and LeBron and Austin Reeves doing the the two yes. small gesture back at Pat Beverly. Yes, a little bit. Yeah, it's it was fun, but obviously they got their butts kicked last night. This Bulls team is what they have been all year. It's been one step forward, two steps back. I fully expect for them to, um, if not get their butts kicked in the play-in game, maybe they they win the play-in tournament, and then uh, you know the Milwaukee Bucks will be waiting for them and just sweep their asses out the way and, and move on. That'd be something. I mean, we didn't talk about the MLB rule changes, but it looks like it's already rave reviews as far as, I mean, we talked about them a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago, ago as, as far as what is implemented and, and tried out in spring training. This pitch this pitch clock, man. Love yeah. it. So yes. into it. Yes. Shorter games. That's what we always wanted. You know, a game should be no more than like two hours long. And so, you know, anytime you can have a, a game two hours long, you can kind of speed it up a little bit. It's going to help, you know, the, 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 the younger kids get more into the games or to help us old guys get to get to sleep on time for these night games. Even if you're like a guy and you want to watch, you know, we just saw what Shohei Otani did in, in, in the WBC, right? And we want to watch Shohei Otani who plays on the, on the West coast. I got to wait till nine o'clock until his game start. And then you got to wait until like, you know, after midnight to see him get three at bats and pitch six innings. But now 
that all you know speeds up a little bit so it's just much better for the sport overall it, it had to get faster it had to get quicker it had to kind of step into the to 23rd you know the 21st century um so i i love it exciting for it you know white Sox game already is in the the bottom of the third right now they, they've started it's basically moving, since, man yeah. yeah basically since you and i've been on air so that's perfect absolutely usually take a lot longer it would mm-hmm. be bottom of the first by the time we wrap up i feel like man yes uh the uh mark twain prize for literature whatever it was was awarded to adam sandler ross so in honor of that we'll do a quick top five yeah you make that face (laughs) like what (laughs) but he got honored in dc a couple weeks ago and so they aired it on cnn oh yeah give me your top five and it it was great if you haven't seen it conan of course is on there and and his usual crew of his cronies of dana carvey and pete davidson was there also making jokes about nick spice and everybody like that but give me your quick top five of your adam sandler movies uh top five off the top of my head big daddy would be number one for me uh number one for me would be big daddy number two would be happy gilmore with me um i am also a big fan of 50 first dates um yep i do not uh hate the longest yard remake uh so that one is probably up there for me Yep, that's that's in my top five. And where are we at? Was that four? What is that? That's four. Yeah, that's four. Uh, let's go with the wedding singer for number five. Hey, there it is. Yep. Yeah, you can you can kick out the longest yard and give me Mr. Deeds. Mr. Deeds. <laughs> is, that the, is that the foot movie? Uh, yeah, I, I like feet. I don't know why. Steve Buscemi with the crazy eyes. Yes, partying with Buscemi's in like four or five Salem movies. Buscemi is in so many goddamn movies, and that he had one of the funnier parts in in that whole ceremony in DC for Adam Sandler. He was just basically pretending to be wasted. He's like, I don't know why you call me the Boosh. I'm a serious <laughs> actor. It was hysterical <laughs> because you know he's fucking Ducky Thompson in Boardwalk Empire. He does have all these That's serious right. roles, but he's like, you made me That's a comedic right. actor, and I thank you. Uh, but right. dude, shout out, shout out to Adam Sandler because what, what's clear, even though he's making Murder Mystery 2 in Hotel Transylvania, is his work ethic is bananas. And mm-hmm. I certainly grew up with Sandler movies and his great hits on Saturday Night Live and all the great sketches from Opera Man to Lunch Lady. Mm-hmm. And uh, just he's just a fucking treasure, man. He just, I was bummed that he played the United Center recently and I could not go to it. I was out yeah. of town. I probably would have yeah. gotten those plates for that. Hell, just uh, yeah. To check it off the bucket list. Absolutely. We have nothing to promote. Thanks to everybody for tuning in uh, on, onto YouTube, onto the YouTube here to watch us. And thanks to the Barflies for chiming in, except for Don Burr. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Follow me at the Real Evan Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. Thanks to Aldo for directing and producing. If you missed any of the show, remember the audio only version is, of course, on Spotify iTunes, wherever you get your audio. And this will also be on YouTube very soon. Lots of Barroom Network programming coming up. Uh, follow them at the Barroom Network on Twitter. But for now, everybody, enjoy your weekend. Be good to each other out there. So long. Peace.